Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. You are listening to episode 17 of Star Wars Bookworms, your source for discussion and reviews of the all-new Star Wars releases from Dark Horse Comics and Del Rey Books. I'm your host, Teresa Delgado, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Goins. Hey, Teresa. The EU is alive and well, and we are talking about it tonight. Yes, we are. For the first time, we're doing an episode where we aren't actually reviewing anything. Which is kind of nice, isn't it? It is. Takes a little bit of the pressure off. But we are talking about some very hot-button topics that have come up over the past couple of weeks, and... um, Things that we just really felt like we needed to discuss. And in order to do that, we have a couple of guests. So, Aaron, do you want to introduce our first one? Sure. I'm very excited to have uh, Josh Stolt back on Star Wars Bookworms. I believe this is his... Is this your third episode now, Josh, or just your second? It is my third. Your third? It's uh, my, you, my three-peat. You might my be, hat trick. You might be in the lead now on number oh. of times guested. Wow, I feel kind of like the Alec Baldwin of Saturday Night Live, you know, it's this is kind of nice, I like that. And, but with as much stuff that we have to talk about tonight, Josh is not the only guest we have. Who else is on with us tonight, Teresa? Well, tonight I brought on my co-host from Fangirls Going Rogue, Trisha Barr, and I also want to mention that she just um, had her first novel published, is that right? I did, yes, my yep. novel Wind. Yep, I let you pronounce it because I pronounce it funny. <laughs> it's my second time on Bookworms and my first time on with Teresa, so very excited about that. We get to talk all the time on Fangirls Going Rogue. All the time. And Once a your... month, but you know. <laughs> and it's your first time officially meeting Josh, too, isn't it? Yes. Awesome. So, Bookworms bringing fandom together. I know, it's so cool. I get to talk to all my friends at one time. Well, not all of them, but... A chunk of them. <laughs> and I did forget to mention, Josh, um, because everybody knows you so well, all the podcasts that you do, but I will <laughs> I will plug them for you. Uh, Josh is a host of a number of podcasts, including Techno Retro Dads, Green Justice, uh, Tron Decoding the Grid, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Case Files. How do you find the time, Josh? Um, I, I stay up very late many nights of the week, uh, but it, it works out okay for me, so... Because it's so much fun. It's so much fun just to talk to everybody. So so for our listeners that are wondering why we are not reviewing the Ewoks comic that we keep promising that we're going to review, that's coming next week. We actually decided to take an episode, not do any reviews, and kind of just talk about some of the, the recent uh, happenings in the Star Wars Expanded Universe with uh, a couple of news announcements um, that have come out recently and um, just other things as well. So... We wanted to take this episode to do that, but next week we'll be back with our regular reviews. Um, we have a great guest lined up for next week, um, and we're going to be reviewing the Ewoks comic as well as the uh, Death Star technical manual. So if you guys are looking for that, um, go ahead, read those things, and uh, check back in with us next week for those reviews. Yep, should be a good time. So the first topic we're going to talk about is, of course, the inevitable Dark Horse losing its license for Star Wars and the license going to Marvel as of 2015. This was announced on January 3rd. And I don't think this was a surprise to some people. Although, you know, at one point I had kind of gotten wind that Dark Horse was probably going to be keeping it. But as we all know, things change and they can change really fast. So um, everybody, do you have initial thoughts on this? What was, or I guess what was your initial reaction when you heard it? Well, for me, I was sad. I I really enjoy the Dark Horse comics. I've been reading them uh, you know, since the nineties and have really enjoyed the storylines and, and things that they've been putting out over the past twenty years. Um, so I was pretty sad to see that Dark Horse lost it. I was hoping that they would they would find a way to retain the license, maybe hoping that you know, Marvel had enough of their own thing going on that they wouldn't really necessarily want the Star Wars license. But, um, you know, like you said, the inevitable did happen. So, But my initial reaction was kind of sadness. 
Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I was actually really hesitant at first, and then I I had to take some time and really think about it. And um, I was actually kind of thinking, do I want to read these? You know, but um, of course I will because that's you know the kind of Star Wars fan I am. But Josh, what about you? Well, you know, kind of like Aaron, I I I was sad because it's a it's um. You know, it's the passing of something that has meant so much to so many people for so long. Um, but I think, and I kind of felt this as I read stuff online, you know, and talked to people. I mean, I think everybody kind of felt like it was inevitable. So um, I think people just kind of uh, come to terms with it in a way, but you still got that emotional. You know, it's like it's like graduating from high school or, uh, you know, um, your older brother moving out of the house or, you know, big, big changes like that, that, you know, are coming, but, um, you're, you're still not, you're hesitant to get too excited about it, you know? But, um, I, I try to look on the, on the positive side of things and, and, and I, I do get excited because, uh, number one, we always will have the dark horse comics. They're still going to be there. You know, I mean, I mean, they're not going to be making new ones, but the ones that they have made are there and we can go back and look at those and enjoy them. And, you know, you know, just start over, go all the way back to dark empire and, and start fresh. And then you got a whole new set of Marvel ones coming up. Um, and I think, I think that they're going to do a good job. I mean, it's a big comic book company and, uh, it's, obviously been very successful um they've got smart people working there and i think they know what direction to take it and trisha what about you um really mixed emotions i think dark horses nailed it this year they've put some of their best stuff out i think that they've done a lot of really really good work over the course that they've had the comics i mean obviously sometimes you get hits and misses and everything but this year especially it's not like they they were swinging for the fences and and done some really great things had some really successful releases and so for me it was sort of like oh you know to see him really do that well and then lose it it was like oh and not only that they've been sort of part of the fandom you know you could talk to randy stradley would come and post on message boards so he, he was never there was never like this elusiveness to Dark Horse, and you just wonder if Marvel's so big if you, if that sort of feeling would get lost a little bit. But then on the other hand, Marvel over the past couple of years, as far as how I've been approaching fandom and genre and storytelling, the things that concern me, Marvel has done a great job. If you look at the big two, and DC's done a horrible job of t- of addressing diversity and um female characters and storytelling and stuff like that. Marvel's sort of done a, a better job. And so I'm hoping that sort sort of top-down philosophy is going to trickle down into the comics as far as concerns for me. So, you know, it was bittersweet. It's not something that I didn't expect from Disney that they would transfer it over. So to give everybody a little bit of history, um, Marvel published the Star Wars comics for nine years starting in 1977. And then Dark Horse took over the license in 1991, so they've been doing it for over 20 years. And um, so series that we have going on right now that are current and running would be Legacy, The Star Wars, and then Brian Woods' Star Wars, Dawn of the Jedi... Darth Vader and the Cry of Shadows, and then Rebel Heist hasn't started yet, I do not believe. Is that correct? Right, that's coming up. Right, and then we got word about the um, new Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. So they do have some stories to wrap up, and you know I think they'll do a good job with those. Do you guys feel like this announcement and maybe the way Dark Horse took it that maybe they got blindsided that they weren't expecting it to happen. They kind of got clone wars. I really don't know. I, they didn't seem like when you see their press release, it seemed like they were not necessarily happy about, I mean, obviously you're not going to be happy when you lose this type of a license, but just even in kind of the wording of it, it just seemed like they were maybe a little bit bitter. I think they probably saw it coming, but I mean, like you said, you had kind of heard some things 
that possibly they were going to retain it. So maybe there was that possibility and then it fell through. So maybe there was some bitterness there. But yeah, you know, I, I think we probably won't know at least for a while, you know, kind of the what happened behind the scenes. Yeah, I saw an interview with uh, with the publisher, with uh, Mike Richardson from Dark Horse, and he said that they had known for quite a while, but um, weren't allowed to talk about it until Lucasfilm was ready, and they wanted to wait until um, after the holidays to make the announcement so they didn't have to kind of deal with that. Um, but, you know, I, despite the fact that they have those uh, upcoming books, um, I think they probably had been planning those books for a while but didn't stop planning on releasing them this week year because they still have the full year um with the license and and they you know they want to they want to use it to the best of of to their advantage you know and um they've got some great stories coming up that they can make some money on as a business so um i think they're just really gonna get in as much as they can uh because they do still have the license so Aaron, here's something that I was kind of thinking of that kind of concerns me a little bit. Since they're going to be wrapping up these stories, do we even know for sure if they're going to wrap them up into the you know trade paperbacks that we review, or are we going to need to adjust that? What do you think? I'm assuming that they'll wrap them up with the trades. That'll be like the last releases probably toward the end of the year is the trades that they have left for you know, the series that are, you know, coming out now on individual issues. I would fully expect that. Even something like, I guess maybe, well, I think even Son of Dathomir, is, that's coming out as early as May, at least the first issue is. So they have plenty of time to get that wrapped up into a, a trade as well. So, yeah, I think they'll still have those coming out. Do you know if they, are are they allowed to publish uh, trade paperbacks of stories that have already been released, say individual comics, after the license is up, or is that probably not? I think part from of the deal? from what I've heard, they pretty much will not be publishing anymore uh, as of January first of two thousand fifteen. So um, even though, yeah, so they it's not like they'll go back and re-release some of these trades or, or things like that. Um, I think all those rights move to Marvel. But uh, at the same time you know, Marvel can't reprint anything that Dark Horse has done unless they want to shell over quite a chunk of change to purchase all of the art and everything, which I I don't see Marvel doing. I could see them doing it. I mean, Dark Horse did it with the Marvel comics, you know, the old classic Marvel comics. Dark Horse Mm -hmm. has reprinted those, you know, in multiple formats. Right, but that was only nine years worth. You're talking, you know, over 20 years worth of stuff. Right. Can you you imagine? I'm not saying Marvel's going to reprint everything, but some of the greatest hits, I mean, I could definitely see them taking advantage of some of that. Uh, Maybe maybe not right away. Some of the stuff that comes out this year that, that maybe they wouldn't have time to release in a trade paperback. Yeah, but... It might be a while, you know. Marvel probably wants to to kind of do their own thing with the license as well, so they they'll probably establish themselves with some storylines and characters, and you know maybe you know five six years down the road they might start reprinting some of the old Dark Horse stuff if they think that's valuable. But it's definitely a po- a possibility. I I think too. Well, from what the comic book resources interview, it sounded like Dark Horse was preparing either way. They've really diversified. And he stated that Star Wars is only 6% of their bottom line. So it is it is a hit. And it's a hit, he said, to their psyche is, in fact, that they're fans and not so much to their business. So they've been smart about their business. I expect that if any characters come out of the EU and drop drop into the movies, those comics will be published by, you know, purchased and published by Marvel. I could see that affecting things getting um, taken over. And I, I don't think, and I don't think that anybody wants people to not be able to get a hold of certain things. And the, the one thing they did clarify is if you have purchased a comic and it's on your digital library, that it, you won't lose that on the dark horse server i guess that was an issue yeah. for some people thank goodness because that's a large portion of my li- library it's my digital <laughs> yeah. library that would have been i mean i feel like that's like the only answer to that question you, you, how would they you know if you spent all that money 
on digital comics and then they lose the license and suddenly they're going to take that away from you. I mean, that's just, there was no way that they were going to do that. But I, I mean, I do have, I think there's positives and negatives out of this move. Um, you know, I think the, the main positive is moving to Marvel. Um, Marvel is, I don't know if Marvel's the biggest comic company out there. I'm assuming they're bigger than DC, but I know they're at least, you know, in the top two. So this is going to, you know, increase the visibility for Star Wars comics out there. You know, a lot of people that have never read a Star Wars comic or didn't even know that Star Wars had comics will now, you know, be, you know, see that because it's now going to Marvel. Um, so I think that's a positive. I think Marvel is probably the biggest comic book, well, as maybe name people know, but I feel like other distributors produce more books. Like IDW does a lot. Um, I was just looking at the list of since um, the day we're recording this is New Comic Book Day. IDW had a ton of books come out today versus some of the other licensees, or not licensees, but publishers. Yeah, and maybe by bigger I mean like financially successful. Um, I have to. I would have to assume Marvel does better than than you know like someone like IDW but I could be wrong I'm not I'm not a scholar in comics when it comes I don't know to all that IDW stuff. IDW has my little pony just saying <laughs> All righty then <laughs> I am not a comic expert but I pretty I'm pretty sure I just read somewhere that Marvel was the biggest so Okay See Trisha backs me up That's yeah. just Trisha no that there's a reason Trisha is here <laughs> but, no, I, I'm not. You know, I mean? I, we'd have to like ask. Uh, we should. We should ask John Jackson Miller because he's the one who could tell us that kind of stuff. Definitely. <laughs> but I think the the thing that I see as possibly being a negative is Marvel is so big. I just wonder if the Star Wars comics are going to be that important to them. Like they have their stable of characters that are popular. You know, like the Avengers and Spider Man. You know, is Star Wars just going to be this tiny little drop in their bucket that they really don't put that much attention to? And they kind of just play it safe, you know, because they're they're just trying to please the mass audiences. And I feel like Dark Horse took a lot of chances with the comics, and they, they gave us some really unique stories. And my fear is that's going to go away when you put it under somebody like Marvel. You know, I'm not sure how that's going to go. I feel like Marvel stuff is really going to be controlled by something that we're going to talk about later, but the story group, and as far as what stories they want to tell. And it actually makes me really curious about when we're actually going to see a comic book come out from Marvel in 2015, because we know for sure we'll have a film adaptation, but that's not going to be until the end of the year or beginning of 2016, because of when the movie comes out. So... What are they going to do for the other 11 months of the year? I think, I mean, if if I had to guess, and you other, you know, you guys can chime in on this as well if you have opinions, but I would think that whatever the subject matter of the movies is going to be, and we don't know that, but I'm sure the people in the know, the people that need to know that over at Marvel probably are aware of, you know, some of what's going to be in the movie. So, the comics that we're going to see, if any, in 2015 coming from Marvel, Star Wars, will probably be any sort of lead-up they can do. So if, if there's going to be a character like you know, Han Solo in the movie, you know, maybe do a series about him that kind of leads up to it, or, or Luke Skywalker, whoever, you know, or even if it's a new character, you know, kind of give us some of those prequel-type comic stories that other movies have done you know, traditionally. Um, but I, I think it's going to be all movie focused. You know, we're not going to get some random storyline about some Jedi or, you know, that nobody's ever heard of. I think it's going to be very, you know, movie focused and original trilogy characters probably focused, at least for that initial year. And we may see some Rebel stuff. That's true, uh, too. That's true. What do you guys think, Josh, Trisha? I think I think the story group and what they're trying to focus everything on the movies and Rebels, I think that will drive initial um, products. And Jen Heddle from Lucasfilm, who oversees the comics, said that they had no talk so far about stories. So they haven't even started talking about stories yet. It was just sort of like the announcements happen. That's why I think probably Dark Horse 
will probably wind down earlier in the year so that they're, you know, they're building up on the other side as far as even production for the people on the Lucasfilm side overseeing stuff. But definitely, I think everything's going to be aiming people at the movies. So I, I completely agree. It, it's going to, it's going to, uh, like you said, aim toward the movies and possibly, depending on what the movies are, but possibly the uh, original trilogy. Um, if that connects the movies. Um, but I think that they're probably going to do some Rebels stuff too. Uh, they could probably have, uh, they'll probably start with three or four different storylines um, early in the year, uh, of, you know, different comic series. So probably a Rebels one and then um, maybe a couple more that have to do with the original trilogy and the, and the new sequels. That's my I guess. I could see a first story arc for Rebels being sort of like a a background behind the Inquisitor. Since we know about him already, I could see that being one of the first things that they that they tackle. Well, before we wrap up talking about this subject, um, do, do you do you guys have any kind of you know favorite memories of the Dark Horse run? Like, what what was a favorite series that they did or a favorite comic um, that you guys had? Well, I just got into the comics really probably over the last like couple of years, so I haven't read a whole lot of the stuff like Dark Empire and all that other stuff, but I really enjoyed um, the Blood Ties stuff a lot. Um, I actually think that's some of the best stuff that I've ever really seen in comic book form, so I'd probably say Blood Ties. Yeah, for me, I, I got right into the Dark Empire stuff at the beginning, and I really liked that. Just how, um, oh man, it just seemed that they were just really committed to looking deep into the Star Wars universe with that. And then I just really like how they tried to um, kind of think outside the Star Wars box, you know, where they had the uh, series, you know, legacy that was so far in the in the future. And then they had the um, uh, all of the old Republic stuff so far into the past. And they were just really trying to get these different eras in this universe. And I really respect that they were trying to explore um, what we had. And I think they really kind of expanded the EU into areas that nothing else has since, even the books. Yeah, they've they've definitely done some great stuff. Legacy, uh, the original run is one of my favorites. I'm loving the new Legacy, too. And um, the X-Wing stuff. Was, oh, yeah, uh, the X-Wing stuff. I so about so that. Really, yes. and, and I can't, I, I love, I, it's, I mean, I loved Union, so, you know, got a wedding in the comics. It was good. But X-Wing stuff some, was some of my favorites. But I, my, I gave Legacy, uh, you know, the last run of that. Um, a 10 out of 10 for storytelling. So and I don't do that often. So I thought they hit it out of the park. And I'm, I'm sad that some of these storylines that they have going right now, you know, most likely will not be picked up by Marvel, or at least if they are, it won't be for quite a while. You know, things like Dawn of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, Legacy, you know, things that had much more story to tell will now be cut off, you know, I think before their time. So that kind of makes me sad. But for me personally, um, some of my best memories are kind of some of the older stuff, the Knights of the Old Republic, or I guess Tales of the Jedi is what it was called back, you know, the the stuff with um, Nomi Sunrider and, and those type of characters. I really like that that stuff from Dark Horse or early in the 90s. And then, um, you know, Dark Empire, I love that. The, the Republic comics, uh, I thought that was an amazing run. And then, like I was saying, some of the more recent stuff, Dawn of the Jedi, you know, so there, I have a ton of really great memories with Dark Horse. I'm going to miss Dark Horse, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to the future with Marvel with, you know, with a positive attitude and, and really hope that they can knock it out of the park as well. But I think they have some really big shoes to fill. I agree, for sure. But we can move on to positive news about uh, Dark Horse Comics. And we just got an announcement of a, a new comic series that I know features one of your, if not your favorite character, um, <laughs> Teresa. I know. So excited. 
it made me really happy when I heard this. Um, so basically the news was that um, there would be a four-part miniseries called Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. It's going to be written by Jeremy Barlow, and it's coming in May of 2014. And I think it's monthly, so we'll have it so May, June, July, and August. Um, it is going to be wrapping up the Darth Maul storyline from the Clone Wars. And I know there was some confusion because some people thought from the news break that came that this was actually the finale of the Clone Wars series, but that's not actually true because Dave Filoni did come um, onto, I believe, his Facebook and he posted a message saying that this was never intended to be the finale of the Clone Wars. It's just the finale of Darth Maul's storyline. So I know... Like me and Aaron, you've said it too. I think Trisha, you've said this too. Um, we never really thought we'd get the end of Darth Maul's story, so I'm glad we're getting it. And it doesn't really bother me that it's in comic book form, but I know some people were upset about that. How did you guys feel about that when they said it was going to be coming in comics? I feel better. I feel better that it's. I mean, it it's it sounds like a story they were really into, and. So I'm glad that it gets to see uh, another outlet that people can see what it was. And one of my favorite characters is in it, Mother Talzin. So um, that's what I'm excited to see. I think it's going to be good. I hope they kind of uh, dig deeper into uh, Maul's uh, history maybe a little bit, um, maybe with some flashbacks, which work pretty well in comics. Um, but, yeah, oh, man, I, I think it's great. Any... Uh, Darth Maul stuff uh, is is always exciting to me, and in the comics, I I really like it because I think they they can, I can make I think they can make him what you couldn't really do even in the movies with him, so um, I'm excited to see this. Yeah, I completely agree. I I'm very excited for this series. I I I like Darth Maul. I think he he's great in comics. I think that's a, a great medium for that character, and. Um, this news coming out about getting more Clone Wars stories, you know, the more the merit or, the, you know, the more the, the better, in my opinion. <laughs> like, I mean, we know there's a ton of scripts out there that we're never going to see. You know, they said, you know, they had basically all of season six, you know, done. And I know they had they had started working on season seven. And I think they even said as far as season eight, um, at least, you know, had, with stories. So we know there's a ton of these stories that we're just not going to see. I mean, we're going to get this bonus content coming who knows when, but that's just going to be a few storylines, um, and there's going to be so much more that we never, we probably never find out about. So the fact that they're giving us this story I think is great. Um, they're wrapping up the Darth Maul stuff, which I think is important. I think that would have been a, a pretty interesting way to kind of just leave that character the way he ended in the Clone Wars with Sidious basically capturing him and saying, I have plans for you. And then that was it. And like, if we had never heard anything else after that, it would just be like, come on. Giant disappointment. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad they're wrapping it up in this comic. I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I hope they do more of this kind of stuff. I hope they, they release other comic series, maybe of some other storylines that, that didn't get to be told. And, even if that means doing it in novel form or whatever way they want to send it to me. Uh, I, I want to read Ventress. it. I want Ventress's, the end of her story. And um, I think I'd like, if I had to pick one, um, I'd probably like Ventress in a novel. What do you think, Trisha? Let's pitch some more book ideas. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's our, thi that's our thing now. We just pitch book ideas. Yeah, v Ventress anything. And she could... She could go, I mean, the possibilities with that character are amazing to go any which way. So I'd love to see more of her. I mean, if Del Rey has to stay away from, like, the post-Return of the Jedi era right now, I mean, why not use the that, that Clone Wars era and use some of those scripts that are out there as starting points for even, like, a, you know, a tri like a novel series, like a three-book series or, you know, something like that. Tell us what happened to Ahsoka you know what? How does how does her story end? You know, tell us more about Ventress or any of these characters. You don't need to tell us about Ahsoka, Aaron, because Ahsoka's going to be in Rebels. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say this. You know, if as far as uh, the prequel uh, characters go, you know, I'm kind of old school comic book. Uh, you know, uh, Golden Age kind of stuff. I don't need to see anybody's end. 
I, I say just keep going. Why can't you just keep telling the stories? <laughs> keep telling stories of, of, of what Ventress does and in the books and the comics. You don't need to tell me where she ended up or how she died. Just keep kind of telling me stories, you know? Um, if Superman, Batman, all those comic book characters, they can just keep going for years and uh, you know, in the old days, they didn't they didn't kill off anybody. You know, they just they would catch him or whatever. Same thing could be with Maul. He's out there doing some stuff, running from Sidious or doing his own thing. And hey, just keep it up. Why not? Look how long James Bond's been going on, man. He, you know, you can keep rebooting him, no problem. There's all kinds of good stories to tell. The word the word reboot is a curse word here, Josh. No, no <laughs> reboots, not for Star Wars. I'm just saying that you can you can keep telling the story, and I don't need to see. I don't need conclusions to these. I'm fine with open-ended stories where we can continue for years to come to speculate and enjoy uh, the stories that they're giving us and um, not have to wonder when it's going to end. You know, hey, we thought we thought Star Wars was over in 1983, and then we thought it was over again, and then we thought it was over again in, you know, in, in 2005, and then we thought it was over again. You know, now we think the comics are over again. So it, we, we just – we keep – seeing the the end of of our of our thing here of our life and it just keeps coming back so i i think we kind of have to turn off that that sort of mentality where uh there has to be a conclusion to something i don't really want there to be a conclusion to something i want them to keep going i actually agree with you and this is something that has been a point of contention for me over the past couple of weeks just the phrase the end or that the EU is dead. Those two phrases have slowly started to get under my skin. And it's just like, I don't understand why we just have to jump straight to saying, oh, well, it's dead. Or, oh, well, it's over. And, you know, that's not the case. Maybe it's changing, but that doesn't mean that it's over. That doesn't mean that it's, you know, do you guys understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if that bothers anybody else, but it really bugs me. I do understand what you're saying, and and I will say this, just just kind of playing the devil's advocate, because I I am actually with you. I completely agree with you, and I always, you know, I I try to see the positive side of things whenever I can. But looking at it from the point of view of people that are so deep into something, and then the EU is definitely one of those areas when it's so important to you to feel that someone has come in and taken what you dearly love and changed it just because they could or because it was theirs now um it 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 gets you it gets you upset you know it makes you emotional but um i you know in in my life i can't think like that because life is going to change constantly and the things that i like are going to change everything that i watch on tv or see in the movies is eventually going to be over or at least a chapter of it is going to be over you know so you you have to come to terms with the fact that eventually things are going to change um and again i go go back to it I, you know i i have all this stuff i have all these comics i have all these books why can't i go back and look at them again they're there they're mine that that doesn't have to change for me yeah i think that's the mentality that any any star wars fan or expanded universe fan right now really needs to reevaluate kind of the way that they think about things if they want to continue to be a fan of the, of Star Wars. Well, it's a healthier way to look at something that you like. Um, it's it's a lot less stressful, you know. Definitely. <laughs> but you enjoy it more. You know, you enjoy it more. And I I I hear the the constant argument of of uh, many different franchises, you know, some like uh, you know Superman is an example. You know, if if they brought something out that was that was too similar to the old classic Superman that everybody loves, people complain. If they change it too much, people <laughs> complain. You know, there's always going to be people that you can't please. So, you know, just jump on this new thing, see how you like it, and guess what? If people don't like it. If people aren't buying it, they're going to change it. They're going to give people what they want because they're a business. That's that's the idea. Absolutely. So, you know, be be vocal, be positively vocal, but be vocal about how you feel so they can see what people really want. So, um, and that's why I think the comics and and Disney and stuff. I I, I think it's going to be okay because I mean they're they're a business and they know they you know they want people to buy their stuff. 
So they're going to do what people want and they're going to give it to them whenever they can. can I, just, I just wanted to interject some history lesson into the canon word. Not, <laughs> not Star Wars, not necessarily Star Wars, but um, this is a couple courses in divinity school and stuff. The word canon started from the bi biblical term and can't in the canon those stories weren't necessarily the same about what happened to the characters in their canon and then in fandom the original term of canon was brought over for sherlock holmes and canon meant anything that was written by sherlock holmes uh original author doyle and then everything else was not canon. And that essentially meant fan fiction or any authors who were writing stuff that wasn't by the original author. And slowly that got kind of, it's transitioned. And then Star Trek took over that word, you know, as the sci-fi uh, franchises grew. And it was um, events that took place in the live action episodes and the movies. And then we ended up with these idea of reboots and Star Wars, actually, Lucasfilm created their li a little bit of their own monster by starting to give these levels. Um, there's an interesting website called the Canon Wars that you can go to and read all the quotes of how they talked about canon and continuity that were very inconsistent from the beginning. Um, and they didn't, I don't even think they really under, some of the people who were talking really understood what the words meant in within the fandom. So it's interesting how people in Star Wars fandom took basically what um, what came out of Lucasfilm's mouth and redefined the word canon. Um, and there's even confusion between canon and continuity. So you always have to put in a perspective of the broader scope of the word canon and how Star Wars fans have defined it. And a lot of Star Wars fans are also Sherlock Holmes fans and they see it canon differently or they're... Um, they're fans of other franchises, Superman, Batman, all that kind of stuff. And they see the word differently, too. So it's an interesting way fan, Star Wars fans, tight, tight Star Wars fans view canon versus how the rest of the world views the word canon. Really? And, they, and besides, they stole it from the old TV show with William Conrad, which was a Quinn Martin production anyway. So, um, yeah, come on. Star Wars. Yeah. Borrowing stuff from other people. I think a lot of people use the word canon and continuity and meaning the same thing when it's not the same thing. Well, I agree with Trisha in that, I mean, Lucasfilm really did create their own monster in that they've never been very clear about, you know, what, what is canon and what's not. And, you know, there's been, like you were saying, there's a lot of conflicting <laughs> quotes and you could, you know, George Lucas says one thing and, talks about multiple universes and then you have somebody else from Lucasfilm saying no it's all the same story it's very yeah. important that it is you know or there's different levels so if George you know if it's the movies or Clone Wars it's G level but then there's C level and all the C level stuff counts but unless a G level thing contradicts it and George Lucas contradicts himself from the whole, if you look through the can wars, he contradicts himself like every couple of years so it's not surprising that fans adopted what they wanted it to mean. Exactly. And that's key, <laughs> what you just said there. Yep. It is what people want it to mean. I've heard, you know, you can quote all the people you want to quote from Lucasfilm, but if you pick the right quotes, you can say it means this. But if Absolutely. You, you know, I can't I can't deny that that they kind of uh, created a, a a bit of a mess, you know, by doing that. But I also would say that if if they hadn't done that, I don't think that the the universe would have been as free and open for people to kind of play around in with with uh you know fan canon you know fan type stories and and eu and comics and things i think it would have been it would have limited um what came out of it you know um I mean, just look at like the Marvel, the old Marvel comics are are a good example of that you know I mean how accurate are those to canon um official you know, canon. So, um, I, I think, you know, I, there's, there's pros and cons to it, but I think what they did is they kind of opened it up more so people could, uh, expand it and enjoy, um, various aspects of it throughout the years. Well, we've kind I, of, we went off on a tangent. Yeah. I was going to say that, but one more question, then we'll get back onto, you know, our topic of the story group, which is kind of where we're going, but just really quickly, I want to go around, which one is more important to you? 
canon or continuity? Aaron? I mean, that's really kind of a trick question. I mean... I know. <laughs> I'm, I've, I'm a fan that I struggle with it because I really enjoy continuity. I really enjoy it as much as they can having everything fit together. That's part of the reason why I love Star Wars and I love the Star Wars Expanded Universe is because they have made, not perfect, but they've made very many efforts to make it as much of as one big cohesive story. So for me, that is very important. Now, am I going to jump ship if they decide to reboot or if, or if they decide to, you know, you know, wipe out a lot of the stuff that I really enjoyed? You know, if they tell me that my favorite EU character doesn't exist anymore in canon, I'm not going to jump ship. I'm going to, you know, go forward. I'm going to go with the flow because I'm a fan of Star Wars in the end. And that's, you know, for me, in order to be a fan of Star Wars, I need to be able to adjust. So it's going to be tough for me when they start kind of wiping certain things out or, you know, when the new movies come out and it contradicts something I really enjoy about the you know, New Jedi Order or about the Thrawn trilogy or if Mary Jade doesn't exist anymore, you know, it's going to bother me. Sure, I'm going to be honest. It's going to bother me. But I'm going to go with the flow because in the end, I'm a, a fan of Star Wars more than I'm a fan of the continuity of Star Wars. I'm, I'm going to give Teresa huge props because she said the most underrated thing on Fangirls Going Rogue is the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And George Lucas made his canon statement in that opening line of the movie, which is, I'm telling you a story from a long time ago, which gives you huge wiggle room. If you open an encyclopedia at my grandparents' house that's, you know, 40 or 50 years old, it will tell you a completely different history than an encyclopedia that you would open today. Things that we thought happened didn't happen. Somebody we thought was part of history wasn't even where they said they were. So even something like Even Peel is like, we're looking at people going through and telling stories and they didn't get passed down equally. And I think there's a, that's, that's their canon statement right there. You know, you can keep a continuity, which is there is a continuing story in this universe. And sometimes the storytellers didn't get it right or they embellished. Um, or they told their own little thing, or they spun it. I mean, we see movies all the time where people are telling things about Walt Disney getting Mary Poppins, but we know they fictionalize parts of it. So look at it that way, and you can really broaden how you view Star Wars. So I like that, you know, it, there are so many things, even in the expanded universe, that contradicted itself in continuity that it's it's kind of funny how we get so tied to it but it's they've overwritten themselves in certain things a lot of times so um anyway i think that's the easiest way to look at it for me so do you have a do you do you hold more closely to continuity or to canon um well i think canon's a different idea you could canon in how i see the word and understand the word is you could tell the same story about a character and it could come out different ways because people would see it differently. So, um, so Canon doesn't mean, I think the same thing with a lot of people think. And a few years ago, I wrote a blog that said I didn't want them to, this is before the movies were out. I didn't want them to, um, uh, get rid of the continuity of the expanded universe. And I've changed my mind on that. So, I I'm perfectly fine with things changing in in the stories where characters go in different ways. Sure, I attach to some characters, but they can never take those characters away from me or anybody else. They're there. We love them. Um, and so I'm ready for new stories, however they do it. And Josh, what about you? Um, you know, I, I... Neither one of them is is important to me. It, that's a horrible answer. But uh, <laughs> what what I mean by that is is you know I I think that it it can still work a, a, by changing those. But as but as far as you know how you guys have been defining it and talking about it, um, I I appreciate the continuity uh, for the most part of of the bigger story. I um, mean that's why it didn't matter to me that there were different levels of of say your canon. You know, so I what I basically see is like the movies as 
the main continuity um, and then how you guys were kind of talking about that, you know, the other stories can be kind of myth, you know, it's like the, the uh, Tartakovsky series, you know, they've, they've said is, is more like a, an interpretation of, of acts of the Jedi and things like that, where it was just, you know, mythical, mythical tales passed down, not necessarily uh, always factual in the, in the universe, you know? So, so I, I, I see how it can work either way. And because this is one big myth, you can get different versions of the same character doing doing a variety of things. So I'm okay with either one of them changing. And I'm actually on board with you guys on a lot of that. I I never really cared about the levels of canon. To me, every comic book I got or every novel I got was just another story. It was just a bonus um, in addition to the film. So I like continuity. I like things going in a specific order, but I guess I'm just more looking towards the future and whatever the future holds, you know. And there's definitely uh, there is definitely something about the idea of them telling me brand new stories that I've never heard before about Luke and Han and Leia that is enticing because I do feel like those characters, although I really enjoy, you know, their story arcs past Return of the Jedi, what they've done in the books. And I, you know, would be sad if they don't continue on with some of these characters. I am excited about the idea of brand new stories that will surprise me because that's probably what we're going to get. So this whole time, everything we've been talking about sort of hits on the other set of, I guess, news. I mean, it's not really news. It's just it came through Twitter that there's the Lucasfilm Story Group. We already knew that it existed. It was announced um, at Celebration Europe. And we knew that Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo were on the story group. But it sort of came out of nowhere with, um, you know, some tweets that went out and about what the story group is actually doing. And so it, it sort of spurred a bunch of people getting really upset or worried or whatever you want to call it when it comes to the EU. And that's how this all came about, about the EU being quote-unquote dead, which I will never say again. Um, and, um, you know, the idea of canon and continuity. So, were you guys, when these when this news, quotation marks, fingers, um, came out, were you confused? Like, didn't we already know this? Or were you surprised by it? I was confused by people's reaction to it. Um, you know, it was kind of old news, but it seemed like with these tweets that Leland uh, sent out recently that it kind of reinvigorated the news and like and then it kind of hit the mainstream, you know, more mainstream geek websites, you know, picked up on it. People that had never really reported on it before. But then it was kind of like the conclusions that they came to based on his tweets <laughs> is really what kind of I was like, what? You know, because people are like, oh, yeah, you know. They're taking a chainsaw to the EU and they're going to pick up, they're going to pick and choose everything and they're going to decide what's canon and what's not. And, um, and, and then I had other, hearing other people saying the EU is dead because of this news. Stop and th saying that. And then, I, and then other people went the other direction with it and said, oh, this is awesome because now they're going to take all this EU stuff and Leland and Pablo are going to make sure that it's in the movies. <laughs> and so it's like, which I don't think was ever said no none of that stuff was ever said <laughs> nobody ever said like it, i mean maybe i missed a quote maybe i missed a tweet but nobody ever said that they were going to go back into the backlog of every eu thing that's ever come out and like with a like a, a stamp and say canon <laughs> or not canon like they've never said they're going to do that and i don't think that's what they're planning on doing i think the story group the idea of it is that they're going to going forward you know with rebels and the new movies and any new books and comics that are coming out in the future, they're going to try to keep everything cohesive. And they have this group that's going to be in charge of that. But I think it's more about going forward than going back and, like, you know, deeming something canon or non-canon. So yeah. I think people are really reading it wrong. Well, I think they're, re they're reading what they – the film – a lot of the film sites who really are movie people and they kind of scoff at the EU, which is the oldest sort of debate in the world in fandom is, 
the EU is sub and movies are better. Those websites are the ones that are like EU, ah, uh, it's dead. And then there's a lot of other they have they haven't even made a statement. Marvel runs successful multiverses. So there hasn't even been a statement on that. So you and know what they said isn't really news if you were paying attention to CE2, which got no major press coverage from US uh, press except for fan sites. And even then, most of the fan sites missed the quotes from a panel that there's no video of, of, or, you know, really, there was, I think, a couple reports on uh, foreign websites about what was said about the story group. So it's not news, but it wasn't in the major news and it wasn't covered by major sites. So, so for a lot of people, it is news. So, but, that, no, that there's nothing new. There's no statement in what was said. And there's still a million ways, possibilities that they could go. You know, they could. And but they have a they have a huge backlist that Disney bought. So and even Iger said that in his announcement when they bought Disney, they're like, we're buying, I don't know how many thousands of characters. I don't know why they would buy, you know, how many thousands of characters and then go, well, none of them really exist. You know, as always, the reality of this is that it's not really going to be truly exactly like anybody has said, you know, all the speculation of, of what all of this means. It's it's probably going to be some variation of, of a bunch of different ideas. But um, but it was a little confusing when it first came out. I mean, my first reaction, I, I, I tried to figure it out, and then I kind of saw what some people read. And my, my first reaction was that I was worried that the EU would, would, would be gone and not, not – uh, considered uh my my second reaction was oh this is gonna kill aaron uh but uh, <laughs> but then you know i kind of looked in a little bit more and 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 saw it's 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 not quite like that um i'm not really sure what it is but i i i feel a little bit better <laughs> after uh who, who was it was it uh was it leland that that kind of tweeted an explanation or explained more or was it pablo or something i, I can't remember but um it, it made it me feel Leland. a little bit. Was it okay? Well, I just I, it made me feel a little bit better after that. I think they're just they're going to just try to make the uh, the EU um, relevant, whether it's relevant in the movies or just relevant in the EU. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think it's still going to be relevant. I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to tie everything together and to put everything on the same you know playing field. So the movies are going to be coming out, but they also want people to go to the books because it's a business they want people to spend money on the books and they want people to spend money on the comics or the video games or the tv show or whatever and so they want going forward for everything to sort of fall in a good solid you know timeline and that's probably the reason we haven't heard of anything from del rey yet is because they're getting all that stuff together so that when it does come out it's not just this sporadic like oh, here's a story from, you know, back a million years before the Jedi even knew they were Jedi. And then here's a story, you know, after Return of the Return of the Jedi. And then, oh, wait, here's one right in the weird middle, you know. Like, I mean, I appreciate all that. And I liked having the ability to read things from different eras all at the same time. However you know, having things go in a good solid timeline, I don't see that being bad. No, not at all. It's it's good. I mean it's it's definitely good news that they that they're making this a point to, you know, to have this group. The thing that I find kind of interesting is that it's really not that much different than what they've done in the past. They've never I don't think they've ever had an official story group like this and they've probably never focused on it this much. But I mean they've always tried to kind of keep everything you know, as one, one big story. And then, you know, obviously if something comes along like Clone Wars and kind of drops a bomb in that every once in a while. Um, and I'll, to be honest, I'm a little skeptical about this because at least initially I could see this being, okay, this would be kind of easy. We're starting fresh. Anything that's coming from now, moving forward, we're going to try to make it, you know, all one big story. Well, that's all well and good, but then what happens, you know, five, six, seven years from now when they come up with this great idea for a movie that contradicts one of the novels that came out, you know, in 2016? I, don't, well, well, I, think, they, I think they're trying to kind of avoid that because one of my biggest complaints was 
if, for the expanded universe was that there wasn't really a kind of a continuity for the characters and some of the stories, not continuity for facts. This is continuity for how characters developed. And so this sort of looks like it, Kathleen Kennedy made the point of saying that those were the two most important things for her. And this is where that story group sort of came out of. So you have sort of a group that's not necessarily making the the stories, but I think they're going to try to make sure that there's a consistency as far as things like don't have so many, everything can't be dark. Everything can't be, you know, about this character, um, trying to get, make sure they maintain a balance that really operates on a broader level that gets more fans involved as, as opposed to this sort of whittling down that happened in the, in the last, I mean, the number of people that read the NJO versus the number of people that read Fate of the Jedi is a significant, um, you know, drop off as opposed to they want to try to open the Star Wars universe back up with the movies and with the books and comics. Yeah, it just means that Leland Chi and Paolo Hidalgo just have to live forever. Um, well, we know <laughs> one of the most important things, I think, for me is that we know two more names on the story group. And I think that's a big deal. We have Carrie Beck, who's uh, on it, and also D Diane Williams, who've both come out on Twitter and tweeted about it, and their, or their names are out there. Um, so we know some more people. And they're girls. And they're girls, and they and I went through their Twitter feeds and and through their their bios. They got major props, and um, they're stalker. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> just kidding. That's important to me. I want to know what the people, um, you know, I want to know what the people. Every the more you diversify um, a group, the more better stories you're going to get. And so these women are talking about some really great things. They talk. I mean, they even are tweeting about like the fake geek girl um, dynamic. I saw that from Carrie Beck and Diana Williams is, you know, talked about diversity. She's tweeted about it in, in Hollywood and even in actors. So these are things that are issues for people. So they're on this, they're on a separate story group. So they're going to see that. And, um, the, I can only relate, like from my experience, I, I was really lucky to go through and um, be one of the readers on the Essential um, Readers Companion, which Pablo Hidalgo did an amazing job on. But one of the reasons I got to read it was because everybody sees things differently. And, you know, when I'm, you're reading it, some of the things that I caught, you know, you know, they're not a lot of things, but every once in a while I'd say, well, hey, that's not really how I saw it as a fan or, or I think that that's really what happened. So everybody has a, you know, a different take on and everybody sees Star Wars differently. So if these people coming in, they're coming in maybe with different storytelling ideas, different perspectives, um, you know, different ideas and different experiences. And so that will just broaden how Star Wars happens. Yeah. Fresh eyes, fresh eyes. Yeah, and so at the end of the day, to kind of wrap up this, you know, story group conversation, it's good. It's good news that they have this story group. It's going to be good for storytelling, and it doesn't mean the EU is dead. Stop it. <laughs> so, I mean, we should, you know, we should look at this as a positive thing. And um, and like Trisha was saying, there's still a lot of options out there, you know, multiverse or, you know, they could end up picking and choosing certain things that they can bring into the, you know, the modern canon. So, I mean, we really don't know. They, there's still a lot of unknown about how they're going to handle the, these, you know, ex expanded universe stories that have come before. And, um, you know, so we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask everybody really quick, um, favorite EU character? Random question of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I love random questions. Well, mine's easy. It's Jaina. I knew that. <laughs> Aaron, I always cheat when people ask these questions. I love uh, Jaina. I love Ben. Um, <laughs> Cheater. They're awesome characters uh, in the comics. I love Quinlan Voss, and I really wish we could find out more about him. And I mean, I consider Luke Skywalker an, an expanded universe character because he's in the expanded universe more than he's in other stuff. So, you know, he's he's awesome too. So, there's all my answers. Josh. 
Oh, well, I've, I've got a, a sentimental spot for Ayla Secura, seeing as how that's who my daughter was named after, so <gasps> she's probably got to be my favorite. Yeah, that's mine, too. That's what I was going to say. Character stealer. <laughs> <laughs> Not Wicket. I mean, he's kind of EU after the, the Ewoks comics. That's my son's middle name. Yeah. Are you serious? No. Oh. <laughs> I was about to be like, you are so cool. <laughs> I actually think it's cool to have the name. Is her name Ayla? Is... Her yes. name is Ayla, yes. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's and so awesome. Okay, it you was, get... And it was my wife's idea, I and I readily agreed, of course, but uh, yeah. <laughs> she was named after the Ayla Sakura Unleashed figure, actually, very specific. Oh my God, I love that <laughs> Unleashed figure. It's one of my favorites. has yeah. a very special spot on my shelf. I have I, that one as well. I know four Janas, so, that, you know, I love that when you meet a I meet somebody and you're like, I know where your name came from. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, did we have a something from our listeners you wanted to mention? Yeah, just you had you had posted uh, that people could ask us questions, so I wanted to make sure we asked this guy or answered this guy's question. He had tweeted at us. So Ryan asks us, had the recently revealed Inquisitor character from Star Wars Rebels appeared in any EU material? So. The easy answer to that is no. He's never shown up in any EU material. He's He is new to Star Wars Rebels, so he's a brand new character. But the Inquisitors have shown up. That you know that character type has shown up quite a bit, actually, in the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Um, and even in pretty recent stuff. Like, for me, the most memorable appearance of, a, of an Inquisitor was in the invasive action like web series that they did on StarWars.com. Do you, any of you remember that? No. no. Nope. I thought, yeah, I, I figured that would be the case. But I don't remember exactly when it was. I think they were drawn by Tom Hodges, which I'm pretty sure most of you probably know who he is. Oh, yeah. yes. But he was doing web a web series on uh, StarWars.com. Um, this was back during the prequels. It might have been... That must bef- have been a while ago. I think no, it was before... I think it was probably 2004, because it oh. was before Revenge of the Sith was released. Yeah. But, yeah, so basically the series, you know, was of these... <laughs> of these Jedi that were running from this Inquisitor. So, um, you know, kind of a similar, possible similar storyline to what we might get in Rebels. Um, and then, you know, the Coruscant Knights novels use that type of character. Um, and then the Young Readers series, The Last of the Jedi, did as well. So to answer his question, Inquisitors have been used, but that specific Inquisitor is new. So I guess we're at the end of our show. Oh, I'm sad. Um, but... We need to make sure everybody knows where they can find our guests. So, um, Josh, where can people find you? Oh, I'm all over the place. So you can you can uh, catch me on Twitter. Jedi Schwa is is my Twitter handle. But you can also get me at uh, Techno Retro Dads on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Green Justice on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, <laughs> Agents Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, Tron Decoding the Grid. On uh, Instagram. No, no, Twitter and Facebook. That's right. So so pop in any of those shows. They're all fun. Whatever your interests are. I I do have to ask you a quick question. How do you have enough stuff to talk about when it comes to Tron? You know what? We we do a roundtable on each episode of of, uh, Tron um, Uprising. Um, and we're almost finished with that series, which is a shame because it is a fantastic and beautifully animated series. Um, but it only lasted one season. So, um, and then, you know, we'll be talking about the movies and, and some, some other things too. So we, we are, we got some pretty big plans for Tron coming up. We got to keep it alive. See, so they can make a (laughs) Tron three, bring back the series and make another Tron movie. See, so there you go. All right, Trisha, what about you? Okay, you can find me at Fangirl Blog, um, also on Savudu, on Fangirls Going Road, we podcast, Teresa and I, on Twitter, at Fangirl Cantina, and that will, I will usually tweet everything um, that I'm doing on that one, and I th- and we're at FG Going Rogue for Fangirls Going Rogue, and TrishaBar.com for my novel, Wind. Um, all right. So 
On our next episode, we're going to be reviewing um, Ewok Shadows of Endor and the Death Star Manual. And we have a really cool guest, so um, tune in for that for sure. And if you're looking for us on Twitter, we are at SWBookworms. And we welcome your emails and any feedback you want to give to us. And that email address is StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. Be sure to go over and like us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Star Wars Bookworms. And we post a lot of stuff there. Um, comic art, um, book covers, and any other news that pops up that we find. We like to put it on there. And please go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and a few nice words. We would really appreciate it on our iTunes feed. And Aaron, where can people find you? Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at A.V. Goins, and I do have another podcast that I'd like to pimp here. Um, I, have, I run a Doctor Who podcast with a friend of mine that um, I'm really proud of that podcast. It's kind of brand new. We've only got four episodes under our belt, but um, we have a big following, and we're really excited about you know the, the episodes that we're putting out. So if anybody is a Doctor Who fan, I definitely would... Appreciate checking out that podcast. It's called Bad Wolf Radio, a Doctor Who podcast. And you can search for that on iTunes. It's a good show. I second that. Definitely go and listen to that. If you want to find me, I'm at Ice Cold Penguin on Twitter and also the same on Instagram. And I'm same things as Trisha, Fangirls Going Rogue, and all of that contact info. And then also on my website, fangirlnextdoor.com. And I guess as always. May the force be with you. I'll read comics. I've read up on all this stuff, so I'm I'm good. Good, good. You mean like like Ziggy and Family Circus, that kind of yeah. comics? Is that what you're talking about? You could about? bring the I think Marvel got those licenses too. <laughs> <laughs> the Ziggy adaptation is gonna be huge. Huge. The crossover. I hear Joss, Whedon, Joss Whedon is directing it. The crossover with Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. Vin Diesel's playing D- uh, Ziggy, so it's gonna be great. I'm so happy we have Josh on tonight. Um, I don't know. This Harrison Ford news today that he's doing another movie in March, I don't think that's a good sign for the people who think that the big three are going to be hair, you know, the big three. I don't know. I think... I'm okay I don't with, want the big three in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with them just literally having, like, a cameo appearance. Or they can just say their name. Because I, I just rewatched The Crystal Stall, the Crystal Stall <laughs> recently. And, I mean, I didn't hate that movie as much as a lot of people did. But, I mean, Harrison Ford is just old. And I'm okay, you know, give him, a couple, like, a cameo scene on the Falcon or whatever. But don't have him running around with a blaster. Yeah. Get off my plane, ship. I, because then it'll become a joke. Like I don't want it to be. I don't want yes. you know, these exactly. new movies to be the crystal star of Star Wars. Like Crystal Skull or Crystal Skull. Well, they're both bad, but <laughs> but I really want these them to kind of break new ground and like get a new fan base. You know, reinvigorate Star Wars. And in order to do that, you need new characters and you need to make them the focus. I know. I feel the exact same way. I don't want the big three in the freaking movies like stop it already and it's okay if they're in it and i actually really i would love to see luke you know at least in like like a master role and even i mean shoot give him a lightsaber duel if if christopher lee can do it then mark hamill can do it but but (laughs) am i a horrible person that i'm not like a huge luke leia or han fan like yeah i like yeah get out of here get out of here (laughs) no i mean i like i i like the original trilogy story and everything I really do but like I just fell in love with other characters more yeah I mean yeah, I, I blame mean, it on your youth I don't, oh, I don't yeah shut up. 